0: Welcome to the Solomon's Porch Podcast, the podcast from the worship experience of Solomon's Porch at Valdosta First United Methodist Church. We want you to be encouraged and inspired in your faith journey. So sit back and relax, unless you're driving or using heavy machinery, and enjoy. Church doors in Wittenberg, Germany. Anyone ever had to write a dissertation or you know present like for your master's or something? 95 pieces he he submitted and, and wrote. And and why did he nail it to a door? What's the significance? Well, they didn't have Facebook then. They didn't have TV crews to come out and do like a, you know an on-location shot. There was asked if anyone would like to debate what he had put up on the door or if they would if they couldn't show up for debate they could reply also I guess by nailing up their response but he was asking people to well, let's come and debate this because he presented he was a catholic priest um, he was a seminary professor and as he started to study scripture which you think well that kind of makes sense if you're a priest and if you're a professor at a religious school you might want to study scripture but actually he just really started to study the original language of the hebrew and greek and as he did he found some inconsistencies with the practice of the church now let me just say this this was in 1500 back in so there was jesus and his disciples and he sent them out into the world to go and make disciples and they did that and they moved along until about 1504 there was just Christians. And in 1504, there was a little bit of a split, and there became the Orthodox Church and the Catholic Church. And the Orthodox Church, there were some differences in, in opinion about uh, Scripture and, and things like that. don't have time to go into it, and I don't really understand it, so I'll just pretend that I don't have time to go into it. Um, usually when someone says we don't have time to go into it, it's because they didn't study and really look into it. Um, so there was this break, but primarily, though, people were in the Catholic Church. It's was a very small number in the Orthodox Church. It's still around today. Um, you see it a lot in the Eastern European countries, um, a little bit in uh, Greece and some of those areas. But when I say the church, and when it was mentioned the church in the 1500s especially, you were talking about the Catholic Church. Now, just a little disclaimer, I guess, to say I grew up in the Catholic Church. Uh, I wasn't a believer, but I went to Mass when Mom made me go to Mass. And I I, I went and I did a lot of the the things that were going on in church. And I have family and friends who are uh, Catholic and they uh, love Jesus. And, And they are followers of Jesus. And so I guess I just want to say that out front, that I'm not going to stand up here today and bash the Catholic Church. But I will say, historically, in the 1500s, the church, which was the Catholic church, was doing some things and, and uh, carrying out what they considered to be religious practices that were not lining up with scripture. And as Martin Luther began to study this and look at this and see this, he continued to find these discrepancies. There was something going on that the church was doing, and, and if you look back now, I don't know if you could have noticed it then, but, but they were really trying. I mean, if you go, if you have a chance to go over to Europe, you will just see these amazing, amazing cathedrals, Catholic cathedrals, um, in, in a, lot of the, a lot of different countries. Beautiful. Can't imagine the cost it was. But you had to fund this thing, right? Uh, what was going on is this practice called indulgences. Now, when you hear indulgence, you might be like me and think chocolate or something like that. But what the practice meant in the Catholic Church was, let's say, Amy, you did something really bad. And you felt bad about it. So you went to your local priest and you said, Father, forgive me for I've sinned. And he said, okay, Amy, if you would pay $50 to the church, your sins are forgiven. That was the practice. Now, I know I made that a little more simple than it was. But the deal was, you could pay to have your sins forgiven. And... This was just one of many things, but this was kind of the big one, and it was happening all over the place, and people who were quite poor, but who were being told by the church that the only way for your sins to be forgiven was if you would pay a little bit. This was what was going on in the 1500s. So as Martin Luther started to study and study and study, this and many things caused him to say, this isn't right. Now you would think if he was a university professor and a priest, that he would have already seen this stuff, that he would know scripture, that he might even have it memorized or something amazing like that. Here's what was going on in that time. The Bible that was available, it was called the Latin Vulgate. The Bible was in Latin. It was in Latin. The the manuscripts that they would study were in Latin. So if you were in seminary, you would study it. People did not have Bibles at home. They didn't have it. In Martin Luther's case, they spoke German. He was living in Germany. People didn't have German Bibles laying around the house. They didn't have multiple Bibles to choose from. This is not scientific, but I'm going to go ahead and say the number. I 99.9% of people didn't have a Bible. This is interesting to me. Most of the Bibles that were in churches were chained to the pulpit so that they wouldn't be stolen. The only people that had access to a Bible would be royalty, you know, kings, like the really, really high, upper echelon, socially elite. I mean, a very, very small percentage of people had ever even touched a Bible. I want you to get this, Trina. I really want you to understand where I'm going this morning. If you're not a history person, you're going, oh, my goodness, this is the worst series that I ever could have been a part of. But I want you to hang with me because we're going somewhere. We don't get it. See, we don't, This is like trying to explain not having the Bible and not having access to a Bible. We don't get this. Trying to explain that people were ignorant of what was going on, it, we don't really get it. It's almost like trying to explain to someone who eats two, three, four meals a day plus snacks what it's like to be starving. We don't get it. I mean, we can say the words, but we don't really get it, right? right? It's like trying to explain to a, a young kid. That have parents who both work and who are able to put food in the refrigerator and a roof over the head and pay the bills and maybe even save a little bit. It's like trying to explain to that child about poverty. They don't get it. So, so when we are here, we are five hundred years later talking about not having a Bible and not knowing what's in the Bible and not being able to cross cross reference what's in the Bible and not being able to read a commentary in, in the Bible. We don't get it. In 1517, when babies were born, they didn't get a little My First Bible with a cute little cartoon of white Jesus and and him talking to the wee little man up in the tree. They didn't get that. There was no access to Bibles. And I, I just really want that to sink in a little bit because what Martin Luther did was absolutely revolutionary. But I would say, besides Jesus coming on the scene and doing what he did and setting people out, and then the Holy Spirit coming, and then we read about in Acts chapter 2, and really inspiring and, and giving power to the church. Besides those events, I think Martin Luther is just about the most revolutionary thing that's happened in the church. You might not know this, but if you're not part of the Catholic Church, you, you're putting and you're a follower of Jesus, you're in another category called Protestants. And we get that name from the word protest. And we call that because Martin Luther nailed his 95 theses to the church doors because he said, I'm in protest to what has been going on. The church was requiring these indulgences. They were requiring all these many steps and processes that cost money for you in order for you to have salvation and things you had to continue to do for the rest of your life very much like what you might find if you were to read in the Old Testament of what was going on uh, in, the, in the Jewish faith um, with the sacrifices and those kinds of things. They weren't saying you got your sacrifices in the church in those early days, but it's very similar, that you've got to keep on to earn your salvation. And so when Martin Luther nailed those things to the, the church door, he the, we're not this isn't a 95-week series, by the way. Um, he kind of covered five areas that we're going to look at over the next five weeks, and we're doing this in all all four of our services. Today we're going to talk about Scripture. What Martin Luther said was, it is Scripture alone. He used the term sola scriptura, and it means that Scripture is the sole authority. There is nothing above Scripture. There's nothing that can be above that. It is primary, and that everything else should fall under that. The problem was that this is going to be a really crazy example but let's say the church told you at a mass on a sunday starting tomorrow you must all wear blue mondays are blue mondays you got to wear blue someone would go wow where's that in the bible well first of all they didn't have access to the bible so they didn't know it was that kind of thing they were being told to do things and told to respond in ways That they were not able to cross-check, they were not able to look into, nor would they even want to. Because at the time, it wasn't just Scripture that was primary. The church and the Pope of the church, the leader of the church, was considered to be equal with Scripture. The Pope was viewed as infallible, meaning he could not sin. That he was sinless and a Christ representative on earth. And that, so, if the church said one thing, but you couldn't find it in Scripture, even if you tried, but you couldn't, um, it didn't matter. The church mattered just as much. And actually, after a while, it actually started to matter more. And this was the problem that Martin Luther had. So he protested Protestants, and he started this. Now, here was the thing that was going on with the with I would call it illiteracy. Um, not saying they couldn't read their common language, but everything was in Latin. the The Bible was in Latin. The Mass was in Latin. Okay, and the songs they sang were in Latin. I mean, imagine if now some of you in here would probably okay, but for the majority of us, imagine if you came in here on Sunday and I did my sermon in Spanish. It would be short because it would basically be like Dom de Estado el baño. That's pretty much. <laughs> We would talk about the bathroom a lot. (laughs) But let's say I was fluent in Spanish, and so you came in here on a Sunday, and suddenly I'm doing my sermon in Spanish, and suddenly Justin and the crew are doing everything in Spanish, and the lyrics on the screen were in Spanish, and the scripture we looked at was in Spanish. Some of you would be able to pick out a few key words, right? A couple of nouns, a couple of verbs here and there. But do you know how much we would miss? How much would we miss if this was going to be the new norm. This is what was happening in, in the masses. Now, if you go long enough, you start to you start to know a couple of words. You start to pick out a few. You can maybe even pronounce them maybe. You know, you might know what they mean, but at least you're learning them. A lot of repetition, a lot of repeated things. You might start to learn it. But has anyone ever messed up song lyrics before? I mean, you've heard a song for like forever. But you do you the song the, the lyrics you end up you find out later with great shame that you had not been saying it right or humor, whichever. Depends how sensitive you are, I guess. Did any of you know that God's name is Gene? Here's how we know. Hallelujah, 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 yeah, praise Gene, the Lord. Did you hear that? Especially praise the Lord, praise the Lord. I won't kind of God. Thank you for the courtesy. Thank <laughs> you for the courtesy. That was, I didn't make that up, by the way. I'm quoting one of our young partners in ministry here, and I won't say his name. Um, I had permission from my daughter to tell the story when she was very, very little. Very little. She's six now. But when she was very little, God our Father, God our Father, we give thanks, we give thanks for our many blessings, for our many blessings. Ottoman, Ottoman. <laughs> that one. God wants us to put our feet
1: that up. That one. That's
0: how he blesses us. We mess up lyrics, don't we? Okay. How about this? Take a listen to this. Okay. Three, two, you gotta, yeah. Write a Bible, print a Bible in the common language of the people, and oh, it freaked the church out. I mean, they really thought that it was almost a sin to not, for the in the 1500s, that the common people that it was dangerous for them to have the Word of God. You couldn't understand it; you would probably misinterpret it, interpret it, and so you just should not have it. Which is why you had Bibles chained to poles. This is the, as, as Martin Luther was really looking at the word, looking at the original Hebrew, looking at the original Greek, and putting it into German, as he studied this and read this, he had a, a light bulb moment. Um, and it was, as he was reading in Romans 1.17, and it's such, for those of us that have been about, around church at all, that have been around and have, have done any kind of Bible study or read study, this is one of those verses you're like, mm, yeah, got it. But as as Martin Luther read this, it was the light bulb moment for him. And it says this in Romans 1.17, it is through faith that a righteous person has life. It It is through faith that a righteous person is saved. This salvation comes through faith. And as he read that, what he realized was is that the church had been teaching that it wasn't just about faith. That it was about a whole lot of other things and things that cost Money, in order to get, it. and this began his search and his study and his desire and his revolutionary act that he nailed to the church doors. He was quoted as saying that a simple layman, a simple person, armed with scripture, is greater than the mightiest pope without it. And you might think, read that, go, okay, that's cool. Well, listen, that would be considered heresy, and he could be put to death. For speaking against the Pope, because the Pope was considered to be without sin and Christ's representative on earth. And so basically you're speaking against Christ, because you're speaking against the Pope. For him to say that was absolutely revolutionary. So the cry of, of Martin Luther, of the reformers, was, was that the scriptures of the Old New Testaments, they were inspired by God and nobody else, and, and therefore they should be the sole authority. If it came down between Scripture and the church, Scripture should win out. And the church should realign themselves to come under Scripture. The church should realign themselves to come under Scripture. Make sure I said that right. But it wasn't happening. And so he was pressing for this and looking for this. And, and he wanted Scripture to be primary. Yes, um, the, the witness of other people is incredibly important. But if your witness starts to not line up with Scripture, then I don't need to value your witness anymore. I mean, you're still witnessing, but it's not about Jesus, okay? If my experience, it can help me in my my faith journey, but there there will be times when I have no experience to to understand what's going on, and so I need to depend on Scripture. There are times when I can reason something out, you know? One plus two equals three. like You know it. There are times that that happens, but then there's times when it just doesn't make sense. It's too big for us. So, Scripture should always be primary. It should always be top. Second, uh, Second Timothy, excuse me, chapter 3, 16 and 17, it testifies to this truth of the importance of Scripture. And listen, can you imagine Martin Luther really grasping this passage of Scripture for the first time? So again, we don't quite get it, but I'm trying to help us get it a little bit today. It says this, All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip His people to do every good work. The power of Scripture, it teaches us. It directs us. It shows us right from wrong. and Which way to go? Scripture. And so Luther was protesting that that tradition that does not line up with the word of God is to be rejected. Ooh, that was, those were fighting words. That was going to cause a problem. We are Protestants because we protested. This isn't new. I mean, the response that the church had against Luther, and I, I encourage you to watch that, that, uh, that movie. I mean, that was, that's a, a trailer from a movie or some clips from the movie, Luther. Um... And it's about, I think it's a, which Fine's brother is it? Who don't know. Anybody, anyway. Anyway, um, it's a really, it's just, this, it's great. There's this really good uh, backstory and story to who he was. But this isn't the first time that somebody said, hold on a minute. I don't think what the, I don't think what this religion is doing is, is right. This goes back to Jesus. We see this happening with the legalistic religious leaders who, who made up some of their own rules and then demanded people to follow them. We find this exchange going on between these religious leaders and Jesus in Matthew chapter 15 when they ask him, why do your dis-, listen, let I me mean, just listen to this, why do your disciples disobey our, not yours or father's, but why do your disciples disobey our age-old tradition? For they ignore our tradition of ceremonial hand-washing before they eat. See, they had a tradition, their age-old tradition of doing something, and they were mad about it. It had become a religious act. Because notice it doesn't say, like, hey, your hands are dirty, wash them. So it was ceremonial. It wasn't about cleanliness. It was about ceremony. And they were upset about this. And Jesus replied, and why do you, by your traditions, violate the direct commandments of God? See, he was saying, no, 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 God's word is greater than your tradition. And this this started it all. This is why we are part of this today. And so scripture was one of the main pillars that that, uh, Luther built his argument upon. Uh, He talked about, we're going to look in the next couple of weeks about um, scripture and grace, grace alone, faith alone. Talk about the, the importance that we all have a role in ministry. It's not just about one priest. It's that we're all priests. And then in the fifth week, uh, it'll actually be a, I think Thanksgiving Sunday, we're going to talk about the importance of the church now under the authority of Scripture. We're going to be looking at that. So there's this, this, this reality of, of Scripture and, and the importance it should play. So, so so what, Chan? So what? You gave us a, a history little lesson today that I really didn't, didn't really matter. <laughs> so what? Let me ask you a couple questions. What is your faith based on? I mean, and I don't know if you're going to be able to answer that right now, but I really think it's something you should consider. What is your <coughs> faith based on? Is your faith based on just what somebody else has told you? And see, if you're a a small child, that's cool. That's where it starts. But at some point, that child grows up and starts to read more and hopefully understands bigger words. and, And they have to come to a place where their faith is their own. It's not mom and dad's. It's not green. So that's okay but i ask you what is your faith based on is it just on what someone has told you or is your faith based on what you have read in the scriptures and you believe to be true and therefore it has led you to a place of surrender to god because of what you understand about christ jesus what is your faith based on have you had people tell you what your faith should be you know, some of us have, have had experiences where we're in places where they say, oh, if you're a Christian, you, you do this, and you do this, and you do this, and you don't do that, and you don't do that. And so your your faith has maybe been built on just some do's and don'ts. What is your faith built on? You can see what Martin Luther protested for, what he gave his life for, just so that we would understand, we would know Scripture, knowing that it should be primary in our life. Do you pray a certain way? Because... Not because you've read in Scripture how you should pray or really what you should pray and, and, and what that looks like, what prayer really is, or do you just pray because you've seen somebody else pray before? What is your faith based on? Who are you praying to when you pray? Where is that faith? Do you make... Here's a, Oh, this is a, this is a good so-what well question. Well, I mean the good in that it's going to hurt a little bit. Do you make... Your life choices based on your faith? You know, like, this is what I know Scripture says. Or or is it possible that you can make a lot of decisions in your life going, you know what? Scripture says this, but the vast majority are saying this. And so, you know what? I don't know. How are you living out your life? Is Scripture primary? Does it direct you? Does it sometimes convince you that maybe the way you've been going isn't the way you should be going? And so you ought to go another way. What role does Scripture play in your faith? Is it primary? I want to to close telling you a story about Scripture. I actually shared it a few weeks ago as I was... um, preaching over in the sanctuary, and we were, we were in our series, and we were, we were talking about the word of God and, and everything that they, um, prior to becoming, and some of you may have heard bits and pieces of this story before, but just hang with me, prior to becoming a believer, I had met a, a friend of mine, and um, she was different than other friends I had, because there was just something about her, about her faith, about her, her faith in Jesus. And um, then I got to know her parents, and, um, and her dad was a pastor, which some of you think, oh, that's sweet. I thought it was weird. I was like, oh, I'm not about this guy. He's weird. I mean, pastors could be strange. I, I just didn't know. Um, and so, but then I got to spend time with them, and I thought, wow, these are kind of like normal people. Who knew? And, and so the more I spent with them, I was like, hmm. This, and we would have these conversations and I would ask life questions, and what about this one and they would respond and things, and they would come back to faith or, or God's word or these things, and I'd be like, oh, that's really great for you, that's awesome. I mean, I still wasn't moved for myself, but I was like, wow, you really believe this. I was very affected by that. And so I decided that I was going to go out and buy a Bible. You see, the only Bible I had at that point was still wrapped in the cellophane and my Dalmatian puppy had eaten from the epistles all the way through Revelation. And so I knew I was probably gonna need the whole the whole book if I really wanna know what was going on. So I decided I was gonna go run down to the store and get a Bible. Well, my sister was in high school at the time. I was seven years older than her. And she was having high school issues. And I thought, I'll get I'll get Bridget a Bible too. That would be great. So go to the store to buy a Bible. And I, I'd always pass this like, little Christian bookstore thing, and I'm thinking, run in, get a Bible, and along. I walk in, and it is Bible Rama. It's Bibles. Over. Now, listen, I, don't, I had one Bible, and it was just a white Bible. It was still in cellophane. It was like, I mean, it was Bibles. All shapes of Bibles, all sizes of Bibles. There were different versions of Bibles. Did you know that? There were different, there were study bibles, there were, I mean, there was bibles, and I was a little taken aback, and this sweet man, probably a retiree, an older man, with like a little vest on, he comes over, and he's like, can I help you? And I'm like, no and because i don't want like Christian guy to be talking to me in the bible store it's enough that i can not show up so i'm going to find my bible so i'm kind of looking around and i realize i really don't even know where to begin so i walk around the corner and there's a little bible man he looks like he's or you know for rearranging books but he's probably just waiting for me to come back so i come around the corner i'm like uh, i don't even know if i call him sir He was oklahoma we don't say sir i said can you can you help please and and he said sure i said Oh, I'm here to get a Bible for my sister, you know, and so, and he goes, oh, okay, and he takes me over. He's like, here's a life application, a teen life application Bible, and the top half is like Scripture, and the bottom half is it explains, gives you some background. I was like, oh, that's really cool. So I get the Bible, and then I said, well, you know, while I'm here, I think I, I think I'm gonna get a Bible too. And he's like, oh, okay, well, what kind of? And I was like, hey, I don't really know. I said, this looks kind of cool. And he goes, well, come over here and you can go around. So, this is also a life application Bible, and, and um, he showed me and everything. And then he asked the strangest question that I, one of the strangest questions I've ever been asked. I like to read. I consider myself fairly decently well read, you know, a little above average on reading. And, and he asked this question, and he said, Now, when you take this home, where are you going to start? Well, based on experience, and all the books I had previously. (laughs) You usually start at the beginning. And So I said, uh, at the beginning. (laughs) And he goes, well, you know, the sweet man Bible vest on thing. He said, well, you know, most books you would do that. He said, but, and he opens it up and he goes, Luke was a doctor and he knew a lot of details. And so he turns to Luke and says, read Luke first. He said, it's going to give you a really good understanding. He goes, when you're done with Luke, and he flips the pages, he goes, John. He said, then when you get done with John, which was weird, read John again. (laughs) 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 Thank you. Buy the Bibles. Go home. Give the Bible to my sister. Um, I go home, and for the next couple of weeks, all I could do was read my Bible. And i started in luke and when i was done reading luke i started reading john and then when i finished in john i started to read john again and for several weeks this is what i did if i was not at work i would read out i didn't have tv on i wouldn't do anything else i just couldn't get enough of this scripture and these words and the truth behind it and one day sitting in my bedroom Somewhere in John, I don't even remember where, I don't know how else to explain it except to say that I heard the Holy Spirit of God, the voice of God speak to me and say, ask me a question. Shannon, is this just a book or is this my word? And I just started to weep. I just started weeping because I realized that what I've been reading is true. And that these were words of life, and they were words of promise and hope. And I just started weeping, and I started to say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And I started to say the things I was sorry for to the point that I said, I'm sorry for the things I can't even remember to tell you that I'm sorry for. And I was so green, I guess you could say, not color, but like newbie kind of thing, that I didn't even realize it was in that moment that I'd given myself to God, that I had surrendered myself to God. It really wasn't until a little bit later that I understood that. But it wasn't, but a few weeks later, I'm still reading, and I hear that same voice that I started a Bible study. <laughs> oh, <what>? <laughs> <laughs> so I invited my, you know, like, I was out of college. I invited some of my friends from my shorty sisters. I invited my sister and some of her, they were seniors in high school, and some of her friends. And, and people started coming over to my that little pink house on 42nd Street in Oklahoma City that sometimes um, a mouse or two would also participate in the Bible study. <laughs> and I just started, like, I was like, this is what I've read this week. What, what do y'all think? And I was so, like, the Word that, like, you know, the top half of the life application is Scripture and the bottom is details. And I was like, I can't even write all these words of God, so I'm just going to make all my notations down here where the notes are. Like, I can't highlight that, you know. Scripture. It was so powerful. That's what I, I want us to get. If you call yourself a follower of Jesus or you're even considering it like I was, I encourage you to start to read his word and see what it is that he says to you. See what it is that he, how he directs you and how he speaks truth and life into you and into what's going on and how he starts to give you answers. Maybe he even starts to make you ask questions that you hadn't asked before. See, Martin Luther nailed some documents to a church door saying, I believe that scripture is more important than anything that tradition or people to try to tell me. So I'll say that to you today. Scripture is more important than me standing here telling you what scripture says. Is it primary? <coughs> Sola scriptura. Scripture should be the primary in our life. Father, I thank you that your word is powerful. Thanks for listening to the Solomon's Porch Podcast. We hope you heard some good practical news in this episode that you can apply to your life. If you'd like, we'd love for you to review our podcast on iTunes and share it with your friends. You can also support our ministry by going to the slash give. Until next time. Stay classy, listening friends.